Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Um, I'm really excited to have a really courageous, incredible guest, Nathan Gutierrez. He, we, I've known him for many years. He has a transplant, and he suffers some other uh, disabilities that he never lets get in the way of what he's doing. So today, I'm excited to invite Nathan to the show. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Lori. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So, you know, give everybody the little elevator speech on your history. Sure. So I was born with a physical disability uh, called spina bifida, and it is, to my knowledge, still the most common physical disability in the world. It affects, at this point, I I believe the ratio is one in every 1,400 or so births. And basically what it is, is it's a defect, a neural tube defect that um, affects the spinal column, and it can it just varies depending on the severity. Uh, my particular disability is at the L1 level. So when I was born, uh, essentially I had a hole in my back at that area. The nerves were exposed. And then whatever those nerves controlled uh, within those damaged nerves are, are affected. Uh, and in my case, with my spina bifida, I'm considered a severe case because I'm in a wheelchair. And, um, and, and so, you know, I have... Um, I have to use a wheelchair full-time, uh, and there are people out there walking around today who don't know that they have spina bifida, and they might find out about it through a, a common annual physical or something. So those are considered very minor cases. So and so, did your spina bifida lead to kidney failure? Uh, indirectly, yes. Uh, we always knew growing up that that my kidneys weren't working the best. I was always told that uh, my left kidney worked at about 75% of its function, and then the right kidney worked at around 25% function. And so I didn't really have anything that affected me too much when I was young, but we always monitored them carefully. Uh, I had always I always had a, a urologist from the time you know I was born, and so they'd, they'd always watch the kidneys, and of course, they're more focused on the bladder. Uh, interestingly enough, I've never had, up until my kidneys failed, I'd never had a nephrologist, uh, nor had I ever heard of one. I didn't even know what they, what they did. Uh, so I probably should have had one so many years ago. Uh, but it wasn't until my, my kidneys failed that, uh, that I ended up having a, a nephrologist added to my medical team. Well, and you know, thankfully today there's more awareness about chronic kidney disease and people are getting in to see nephrologists early on. Um, but, you know, uh, you received a kidney from your father how long ago? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's been about 13 and a half years now. Oh, wow. And what's your creatinine? Uh, my creatinine hovers around 1.0, 1.1. Okay. Uh, kind of really depends at, at this point how much, I, how much water I drink, but I try and flush the kidney you know, as much as possible. But uh, I'm doing well. Well, I think what's what I find so amazing about you, Nathan, is you don't let anything stop you. And um, I want you to talk a little bit about all the sports teams you coach. <laughs> sure, sure. So growing up, my, my primary sport, my love was basketball and still is. So I, I was born in the early 80s. So I followed the, the Showtime Lakers. I loved Magic Johnson. He was my favorite player. Uh, in, in part because I couldn't shoot 
on a 10 foot high basket for the longest time. They just didn't have the upper body strength. And so magic was always known for passing the ball. So that's how I became good at it. Uh, and I'd go out on the playground with my friends and, and pretend I was magic out there and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, pass the ball. And it was a good time. Uh, so that was, that was elementary school, junior high school. Uh, I did try out for a team in elementary school and, and I did get on the, the B team as they called it. And it was just something they, they let me do, you know, it wasn't really competitive or anything, but it was really inclusive and that was really nice at the time. And then once I got into high school, you know, they didn't really have any wheelchair sports there that were organized. And so I was one of just a few people in a wheelchair on campus, but I think I was the only one really into sports. So I thought, well, I still want to be involved. So I want to tackle this from a different angle. And so I was able to become a a team manager for a couple of years. Uh, Interestingly enough, I was in both programs, the boys and the girls. And uh, so they had to, they had to make a little bit of an adjustment and and an exception for me to, to be a manager of the girls program of my sophomore year, but that, you know, as a teenage boy, that was a, that was an exciting opportunity to say the least, you know, and a lot of the girls were, were my friends. And, and when I was helping out the boys program, a lot of those guys were my friends too. So it was, it was really neat to stay involved. Um, other than that, uh, I had played wheelchair basketball from the time I was about six years old. So there was a local adult team. Unfortunately, they don't, they're not around anymore, but they started in the late seventies up until maybe about 10 years ago, if that. And so I joined when I was about six. So I was definitely one of the youngest ones in, in team history to join. And uh, for a couple of years, I, I just sat on the sidelines and watched because I, I didn't want to get hit. It was very physical. But uh, they were all adult men and, and, and two or three women on the team. And they were really my first friends who had disabilities. And many of them are still friends of mine today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of them were, were older sibling age type. Well, and you know, one friend makes a difference, right? Because when you when you see people excelling with a disability or illness you have, it makes you know that you can succeed. It's it's so important. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so, do you uh, help mentor other um, youth that have a disability? I, I try to. Yes, in fact, I'm now involved, and for the last few years, have been involved with a, an organization in Southern California called the Triumph Foundation. They're in Santa Clarita, so if you're in California, they're, they're near Magic Mountain in Southern California. And uh, they're wonderful people because what they focus on are people with physical disabilities, primarily those with spinal cord injuries. So they're not all born with, with something like spina bifida. There are a few of us, but a lot of them ended up in chairs due to some disease or maybe an accident or something. And a lot of them are very, very competitive in sports. Uh, arts and crafts, things like that, things that they were involved in prior to their injury. And so every year they have a couple of large sports festivals uh, that they uh, they put on. And um, and then so I go out there and I help coach basketball since that's what I'm most familiar with. Um, but it, it's a great time. I, I really enjoy it. In fact, I'm going to be going down there in the next couple of weeks uh, for their fall event. Well, and, you know, I was reading your bio, and you oversaw the development and construction of a wheelchair-accessible baseball diamond, which, you know, I just find, you know, it's so amazing that everything's being more inclusive for people. Yeah, that, you know, that was a very interesting project, and it was an interesting way that I got involved with that. So I was, this was back in 2010, uh, summer 2010, and there there was a local celebration in my hometown for the Americans with Disabilities Act. 
And uh, so I happened to know somebody at the local independent living center. They called me and they said, hey, would you like to come out and give a short speech on it and how it's impacted your life and, and uh, helped you become independent as a person with a disability and, and because of the laws that have changed over the last several years. So I said, sure. So I went out there. I gave my little presentation. I ended up meeting the CEO of the Southern California, uh, Central Southern California uh, Goodwill Industries. Cheryl. And so she invited me for a conversation and asked me if I'd ever heard of an organization uh, called the League of Dreams in my hometown. And I had not. And it turns out they focused on helping kids with different types of disabilities, not necessarily just physical. And um, it was mainly focused on baseball and basketball at the time. And they were looking to develop a baseball field, an accessible baseball field, really a t-ball sized field. I went in to look for a volunteer opportunity because at the time I wasn't working, but I wanted to do something. And uh, about an hour after talking to the CEO of this physical therapy company who actually developed uh, the League of Dreams, uh, they offered me the job as the director of the program, which was pretty interesting. And so for the next year and a half, this was 2011, 2012, during this time frame, uh, helped develop this t-ball-sized field uh, in my hometown, which uh, to my knowledge at the time is one of the first fully accessible baseball fields in the state of California. That that's that's you know that's a huge accomplishment and I know that you were a trendsetter back then because you know a lot of our playgrounds in the city of Glendale have now been adapted to be more uh, friendly to people with kids with disabilities. So you were on the cutting edge. I wanted to go back to cuz you work full time, you have an active life. What do you do for your day job? So I work for the city government uh, in my hometown in Bakersfield. And so I, uh, I actually work in the manager's office and I oversee certain types of projects. So, you know, one of the big things that happened about a year after I got uh, hired was this thing called COVID. I think we're all familiar <laughs> with that by now. Yes, we are. <laughs> and so what I, what I was charged with at that time for about a year or so, uh, I was helping local business owners, uh, restaurant owners for the most part, uh, get permitted so they can do outdoor dining. Uh, but I also worked with salons and, and other businesses like that to help them move their businesses outside. Overall, during that time, I think I helped around 110 or 115 businesses in town do that. So wow. that was that was different. It was different, uh, but it was exciting. And I'm um, glad I was able to help. It's always nice to feel like you're being valuable, right? <laughs> and like you're actually doing something that's making a difference. It's it's what we need when we survive a serious illness, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and for those of you who may be listening and wondering, I, I am surprisingly not the ADA coordinator for the city, uh, but I work with, with her very closely. And it's it's really nice because she comes to me and and I've learned a lot about the ADA laws over the years just through lived experience and, and just my, my government uh, professional experience. But she'll come to me and ask me, this is within the law. Does this work for you? Does this make sense for you as far as accessibility is concerned? So she really takes that to heart into asking me, does this make sense from a, from a practical standpoint as a, as a person with a disability in a wheelchair? Well, and, you know, I've traveled abroad uh, and, you know, I've had some, you know, I have some, uh, I had both my knees replaced, my hips replaced. So, you know, it can be tough to walk on different surfaces. It's hard. And, you know, we're very lucky in the United States because I went to Europe and, you know, the only way you could go to the bathroom is walk down some narrow stairs. <laughs> and, um, you know, we take a lot of things for granted. 
Um, but we're pretty good in this country, I would say, about making things accessible. We can always be better, but, um, you know, we've come a long way. No, and I've heard that, too, and I unfortunately have not had the opportunity to travel abroad yet. Uh, I've had family members and friends who have, and they've made similar comments to me. I've asked them for their their feedback when they got back, and and they said, oh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of uneven sidewalks and very narrow pathways, like you were saying. And so one day I'd like to travel to certain countries just to check it out myself. But, uh, again, I have to agree with you that we are very fortunate in the United States because of the accessibility laws in place. Well, and we need, we need you know, cruises are always great. They're very accessible. You know, you can stop somewhere, but it's, it's, it's a real problem. People need to be aware of that. I mean, some of the cobblestones alone in some of the cities will just, you know, do you in if you're, if you're even physically well. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get around. Well, I wanted to also talk a little bit about uh, we have something in common. We're both member of Toastmasters. And uh, you did a TEDx talk. So what was that like? I did. And um, just, just a couple things. It's interesting you brought up Toastmasters. So I haven't been in Toastmasters for a few years now, uh, just because of work commitments and things. However, in the last, I'd say, month, uh, that idea has uh, come up uh, through my colleagues here at the city. And we, I believe, are going to be starting a Toastmasters group. And so... Given my, my past uh, experience as a Toastmaster, I've been tasked to go ahead and, and launch something. So we're in the process of, of looking into that right now. So I'm very excited. Yes, it, it's amazing. I mean, I still go to Toastmasters. And, you know, COVID was was really hard on Toastmasters clubs because of the fact that um, we meet virtually now, our Toastmaster club. Um, we're thinking of going back into person or trying a hybrid. But if you didn't, you know, because Toastmasters is a volunteer organization, so if you didn't have somebody take the lead on that in your club, it really did impact many around the country. But it's a valuable, it's so valuable. And I know you know that because we had that discussion before. <laughs> it is, and I agree. If anybody is looking to improve their professional speaking skills or even just communication in general, Toastmasters is a good place to start to give you that foundation. Uh, but as far as my, my TED Talks, my TEDx Talks, um, I've done two, actually. Uh, a lot of people think I've only done one. I've done two, but the, the first one I did was in my hometown, and for some reason, and to this day, I don't know what happened, uh, they did not record it, so it's not out there anywhere, uh, unfortunately. But the, the second one that is on YouTube uh, was done in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. I actually knew the person who was putting it on. She's a speaker. And uh, I met her through a, another speaking opportunity years ago. And so she called me around that time and she said, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to fill these spots. Would you like to come? And the thing is, you know, it's out here in Utah. It's where she lived at the time. And so if you could fly out here, you know, for a couple of days, then we'll, we'll do this and, and it'll be a lot of fun. So I did. And uh, she was right. It, it was a lot of fun. I met some new people there, uh, a few of them who are very, very successful professional speakers. Um, so made made really good connections. I love Ted Ted dot com. I always I love to go just you know if I need some educational information or my brain needs something to 
be fed properly. I go to a TED Talk and, and hear what somebody has to say. It's it's really quite amazing. Well, Nathan, you're you're amazing. Um, I have to say, I know that you. it took you nine years to get your degree, and you had to do dialysis for three times a week before you got your kidney. Um, maybe you can kind of close with some advice with people who you know, her struggling with whatever situation they have. Do you have any advice on how to get your mindset and body to follow to um, to live the life you were meant to live? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I am a man of faith. Uh, I'm a Christian. And one of the things that I sought after my transplant, it was a few years after, but uh, I started going back to church on my own. I met some great people through that, and um, so I do a lot of daily prayer, uh, give thanks for my opportunities. Uh, that's the biggest thing. The second thing would be to surround myself with people who uh, are supportive, who understand that I'm not my disability, I'm not uh, my past with my, my renal failure. Uh, that's, uh, certainly, those things are, are very big parts of my life, but you know, your challenges aren't who you are. You are who you are. Those are just parts that have formed, you know, part of your life and, and your experiences. And so a lot of people have asked me, would I take that back? Would I take any of that back? And I, I really wouldn't. I mean, they're, they were tough, don't, no doubt. Um, but they've led me to a bunch of wonderful experiences. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say that I, I wasn't able to mention earlier, uh, I was actually uh, able to coach basketball at the high school level for a few years. I uh, started out as an assistant on the varsity team at a school here in town, uh, and then I moved to another school where I was a GV boys assistant. And then perhaps my, my favorite job, uh, I was able, my third coaching job, I was able to coach at my alma mater, and I was the girls' junior varsity head coach, which was my, which was my first head coaching job ever. And I did that for two years. And um, coaching girls is definitely different than coaching boys. I'd never coached girls before. But I have to say that was one of the biggest blessings in my life because they really respected me. And I think that, and I hope that I was able to teach them that no matter what you have going on in your life, you can overcome those things. You know, I'm still in touch with, with some of them today as they're in college and they, they'll call me or everyone sort of will text me or something and, you know, hey, would you write me a letter of recommendation or something? And so, you know, having these experiences have led me to things that have been awesome, have been great. And I don't think I would have had these opportunities had I not gone through what I've gone through. Adversity definitely introduced you to yourself. Well, Nathan, um, thank you so much. You know, you never let your disability get in your way, no matter if it's spina bifida, dialysis, kidney transplant. You are just a, a source. And uh, um, we just need to figure out how to bottle it so everybody can just, you know, get it off the shelf. The world will be a better place. Well, thank you, Lori. And you're certainly a blessing, too. And, and, and I'm, I'm so happy to know you as a friend of mine. And, uh, of course, we... We both share doctors. We have the same doctors, and um, you know they're they're wonderful people. And and you know let's let's be honest. I'm not sure you and I would be here today. Well, I, I I would agree with you, doctors. You need to find the best healthcare team, and um, you know because if you don't have good healthcare, you can't go out and. Uh, live your dreams. So yeah, we're very, very fortunate to have the best. And uh, it's so important, you know, that you have good health care around you and support. And uh, Nathan, I thank you so much for sharing your story. We'll post the link to your um, 
your TED Talk under the podcast if people want to view it. And I think, um, you know, I look forward to seeing your adventures on Facebook. All right. Uh, awesome. I really appreciate it, Lori. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.